Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the Sober's Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And today I want to talk about something very important. How do we deal with being sober and struggling in sobriety? So a lot of the content that you'll absorb on the Sober's Dope podcast is usually about the recovery journey and how to optimize sobriety. But there's a reality. Some many of us out there, you know, you're in new, new to recovery or you're you have some years under your belt but you're struggling. And we want to talk about what the struggle looks like and what it feels like and give you some practical tips and reminders, because there's a lot of aspects of addiction recovery that people just don't realize or maybe focus on in them, in themselves, in their lives. So the first thing I want to talk about is sobriety in itself, right? Living a sober life. It comes with a lot of particular scenarios that you have to be able to navigate through. All right. So one of them, one of the major ones for me is uh, what to do for fun, how to be, how to act, how to socialize and how to normalize sobriety in a social environment. This is extremely important. People struggle with this. This It's a real struggle. What happens when all of your friends are still drinking and using drugs and partying and you're this outlier that's in recovery because you have this addiction that they may not have. So they cannot identify with it. And it's not necessarily their job. A really nice friend, what a nice friend would do is say something like, you know, we, yo, you have my support and whatever you need. And I'll make sure I party with you in respective environments that does not trigger you, right? But most people is just like, yo, I, you know, you have my support, but I'm still going out on Friday night. And I'm still going to the club. I'm still doing drugs. I'm still going to get lit, right? You have to be able to work that out in yourself. So what's important to me is when you're struggling is because you're not embracing the live and let live idea that recovery presents. You have to be able to be comfortable with going places where people may consume, right? Because you can't escape every environment, right? You could go to a regular diner and someone could be having a beer next to you while someone else is having a milkshake. The beer could be triggering, but live and let live mean that there are going to be people who are still going to drink in environments you're going to go to and you just have to know your triggers and you have to stay strong. In early recovery, what I tell people to do is avoid these places, but you can't avoid them forever. 
So the most important thing for me is to address the reality that if you're struggling with the social life and your social environment, really dig deep down, write out 20 places and 20 things that you could do that doesn't involve alcohol that are considered fun and what and just maximize it but what i do is i would i i used to make all of my events early but not a lot of people is getting drunk early i'll go to manhattan i'll go to the city i'll go catch an early play an early movie i'll go to some event so by time eight or nine o'clock coming around i'm winding down and i'm more like look i had a great day i just want to go home jump in the shower make some food watch some good movies I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything now because I designed my day to suit my recovery. That's one thing. The other thing is, and this is going to be a short episode. This is actually a five minute sobriety episode. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was the reality that um, people just stop doing the work. Even in early recovery, you just stop. You get to a point where you stop going to AA meetings and narcotic me- narcotic anonymous meetings and 12-step meetings. And what I want to say about that is I'm tired of everyone out there. I'm tired of hearing it. Oh, I had a negative experience at a meeting. The people were mean and I didn't like the environment. So what? Who cares? Go anyway or find another meeting. It's not an excuse because when you start struggling, it usually could be traced back to you not doing the work anymore. You build some bullshit excuse about it. It's an excuse. When we used to use drugs and do alcohol and whatever and really do it, we'll go to any uncomfortable environment and uncomfortable means to, to meet our goal. There was no preference. Oh, I'm not going to this place because they have alcohol. I don't like the vibe of the people. You will go anywhere to get your drug of choice in any circumstance. You'll go into a blizzard, a tornado, any environment to get hot. So don't tell me that you had a bad experience or two with Alcoholic Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and it's not for you. Like you're bougie now and you have all of these options and preferences and you want to go somewhere where it's super comfortable and safe. Listen, stop playing, go there, shut up, Listen, do the work, do the work, go there and say nothing to anyone for five, for, for, for a year and just say, I'm here because I'm a recovering alcoholic and I just want to be in community. If you're not saying anything and just absorbing it and listening to other people's stories, it could still help you get through that day. So stop making excuses with 12 steps and groups. I'm tired of it. You're not going to get no magic pill on sober is dope. You have to do the work. And when you don't do the work, you tend to relapse. And that's a problem. And I just don't want to hear that no more because I have people talking about I'm struggling. I don't know why. And I'll ask them simply, when the last time you went to the meeting? I don't know. That's why you're struggling. What the hell what the hell are you talking about? All right. So moving along. The next thing is the psychological and the mental health aspects of your recovery journey. This is big. You hear me talk about it a lot. But you may be struggling in your sobriety and your on and on your recovery journey because you're not addressing the mental health aspects of um your recovery and the damage that you cause to your mental health via your addiction. Okay. So follow me for a minute here. This is really powerful because we get into fights in our addiction. We hit our heads. We don't eat. We're dehydrated. We cause major damage to the brain. We 
cause damage to our cellular environment because alcohol is one of the one of the thing one of the few things that has extreme cell permeability and it also could crash across the blood brain barrier which is weird um so alcohol is definitely something that is it has the ability to go into a cell and affect your cellular environment all of that stuff affects our mental health right it strips the body of vital nutrients and nutritional density zinc um gets depleted vitamin b gets depleted a lot of and magnesium is depleted you need all of these things so when you're struggling in recovery is because you're not doing the mental health work. Now, what does mental health work look like? Prayer is considered mental health work. It has a positive effect on the brain. Look, in the Sober is Dope book, all right, we talk about this. In the Sober is Dope book, we talk about the, the prayer effect and the positive mental effects of prayer meditation and stuff like that. We actually have studies in there through Dr. Newberg when he did a study of Franciscan nuns and he noticed that over time through prayer, it changed their brain. It actually changes the brain for a positive as neuroplasticity, extremely positive. So go to therapy that helps your mental health. Pray, meditation, um, mindful meditation. So you may hear, hear this a lot. But mindfulness takes you out of your thoughts, out of the rumination station, out of just that constant toxic cycle. And mindfulness puts you in direct focus of one thing that you could kind of focus on and keep you engaged in. That's why I talk about creativity, having a hobby and doing something that you're focused in, you're locked in, you're mindful. This is a central focus, right? And when your brain has is concentrating on this one thing, a lot of the other stresses start to go away. And through time, you 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 tend to focus on um, you know, one thought, um, one idea, one emotion, one frequency, and you're able to block out most of the negative stuff because you're training yourself into a state of mindfulness. My advice is start find a mindfulness coach, right? Spend some money. Go to a therapist or someone that can help you. Another thing is cognitive behavioral therapy is really what can really help. It helps you. Cognitive behavioral therapy helps you reframe um, behaviors and different things that, that relationship to your mental health. How you deal with a negative situation versus a positive situation. How do you deal with trauma? How do you look at your trauma? How do you look at your addiction? Can we? Um, Ref, um, 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 reframe most of these things into a positive way. It forces you to look at your brain and how in relationship to your behavior, your life, your decisions you make. It's extremely helpful. It's extremely powerful. Now, look, I'm not a cognitive behavioral therapist, so that may be a very dumbed down um, uh, definition, but it's just that's the gist of it. It's a lot more complex than that. And we have episodes where we go into detail about cognitive behavioral therapy look into it. These things I don't put on a podcast just for us to, you know, listen, take it in, but don't act. You have to act on it. You know, look into this stuff. Uh, they have online therapy groups. That's really good. So when you don't do the work and you're sober and struggling, you don't do the mental health work, you, you, um, discount yourself and you have, you know, you don't give yourself the honest shot at healing 
you have two parts of the brain, the left brain and the right brain, right? You have a nervous system that's dysregulated because of your addiction and stuff. Your brain has these, um, the right brain deals with imagery and stuff. You have all these negative ideas and images and memories regarding the trauma of your addiction. Your left brain is constantly calculating, oh, I'm a failure, uh, I'm ashamed, I'm I'm in fear, and it's all of this stuff. So you, that, that mind chatter starts to become toxic. Um, and that 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 makes you live in a toxic environment when your mind is toxic and your energy is toxic and you're kind of being drained and, and you, you know, you're um, burdened by the weight of all of your insecurities and doubts and fears. It affects you in a negative way. That's why in the Sober's Dope book, and this is not a plug about the book, but we have multiple affirmations. Let's just find an affirmation real quick. Um my dreams always manifest right before my eyes. I magically manifest my deepest desires. God always is always circulating throughout my life and bringing me avalanches of prosperity and success. I am constant recipient of these blessings, right? So if you're in a negative state, for example, and your mind is telling you a bunch of negative things about yourself, go to the Sober's Notebook, crack open one of the affirmations and just keep reading them. Because what happens is, is it's just reaffirming a different idea about yourself. And that's something that's more likely true than you're a failure. You're uh, you should be ashamed and you're, you know, and you're toxic and all of this stuff. Those negative things that we tell ourselves um, hold us down. So open up the Sober's Notebook. Let's do one more. By being sober-minded, I have a powerful influence on those around me. I am making the world a more sacred place for everyone to live. Right. By example. So your sobriety is a beautiful thing. All right. So you live by example. But if you're struggling, it just means that you're in a part of your recovery journey that needs a lot more TLC and love. Right. Because Let's say you're five months into your sober, your sobriety, right? You're coming off of heroin, you're coming off of alcohol, whatever, benzodiazepines, methamphetamines, whatever. It, your brain is still healing, right? That healing process is so important that I need you to understand the patience that you need to have because the emotions and the feelings that you're having today and that you may be having tomorrow may not be here next week, next year or next month. You have to give it time. And when you understand the bio, the, the biological processes that the brain has to go through and the nervous system and the body um, and your mind, just in the just by repairing itself, just just through the process of repairing the damage caused by your addiction, you're going to feel symptoms of depression, anxiety, fear, the lethargy. lethargy. You're going to be tired, um, fatigue, uh, adrenal issue. You're going to have all these little emotional issues, psychological issues, um, patients issues with patients. You're going to be snappy. You're going to be um, irritable. This is all to be expected. So what happens is when most people don't go to treatment or they don't have a really good counselor or someone that could really help them, what tends to happen is, you know, they just you kind of have to figure this stuff out and you don't know, OK, this stage of the process, I, I should be feeling this way because I'm going through a psychological and a physical change. Um, uh, um, and this is real. 
And because I know I should be expecting this, when it happens, I know I have to get more sleep. I have to drink, uh, stay more hydrated, talk to a professional, talk to a therapist, eat a highly nutrient-dense diet, uh, and do things to manage your stress levels, right? So stress management and stress load, how much stress you can handle before you snap and you get triggered, right? So understanding your triggers and the things that cause you stress and anxiety are very important on your recovery journey. So if you're sober and you're struggling, these are some of the things that you may not be addressing and you could quickly see it adds up. If you're not going to meetings, if you're not eating healthy, if you're not sleeping healthy, if you're not getting a good eight hours, a clean eight hours, I don't care if you work overnight, that you got to get your eight hours in a day. Just get your eight hours, however you could get it. Right now, I'm on a weird schedule because of my job. So I get home around two or three in the morning. Then I have to work on my second job. So I don't go to bed every day until about five or six in the morning. Then I wake up around 12 or one. So I try to get Get my, you know, seven to eight hours uh, when when I can, or but I don't, you know, don't sleep on sleep. All right, get your sleep. It's very important. If you're not sleeping, if you're not staying hydrated, you're you you're you you're just setting yourself up for failure. And don't uh, listen. A lot of this is going back to the basics and common sense, but we tend to forget. Uh, you get sober, you start running, you're going back to work, you're doing all of these things and you start to neglect the fact, the one fact that you're in a consistent state of healing. Your brain is powerful. And when you constantly pound your brain with drugs and alcohol, it affects your dopamine receptors, right? And your dopamine receptors shrink right? They get smaller, they become damaged, right? They become less efficient, I should say. Then your actual brain takes damage. We know that it creates, you get holes in your brains and your brain, your neuroplasticity is affected from these drugs and alcohol. To repair one's brain takes a lot of energy just to run the brain. You need a lot of nutrients, a lot of sleep, a lot of hydration, a lot of, you need low stress levels, right? You can't stay in a heightened stress state and think you're going to hit. Your body can't heal in a, in a stressful state, right? That's why we talk about the parasympathetic response to getting back to that rest and digest. When you're in that fight, flight, or uh, fight, flight, um, and freeze mode, right? You're in that stressful sympathetic mode. Your you 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 your body has to produce a parasympathetic response to that, right? And what you want to do is you want to be able to calm down, practice deep breathing when you're in a par uh, um, a sympathetic state. You know, get your body back under control so you get back to that rest and digest. It's so important. Because when you're not in, when you're in this heightened state of anxiety and frustration and fear and you're upset and you're tired, your immune system takes a dive, your brain go, gets exhausted, you start to become mentally fatigued, and then, you know, your nervous system is dysregulated. So you need to stay calm in recovery, you need to get a lot of rest, and you need to know when you're in this heightened stress state so you could watch your triggers and you say it, man, I'm really stressed right now, I gotta really, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take, I gotta check out for the rest of the day, I'm gonna go home, run a nice warm bath, make my favorite dinner, get in my bed real early, 
get off some Netflix and really decompress, get out my gratitude journal and write down all of the things I'm thankful for, say my prayers, do a little bit of meditation, practice some deep breathing, drink a little bit of water, reset for the next day. Right. So when you wake up the next day, you like, OK, this guy, this guy, a gal, this person addressed their mental health, their stress levels, and you you got it under control. But you're sober, struggling, and you're a person that goes a whole week in the stress state. They're two weeks in the stress state. Now your whole body is out of out of sorts, right? And you're a person in recovery. So what start what 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 begins to happen? Your brain starts looking for an escape because you're not taking care of yourself. It's your fault. Your brain starts looking for this escape. You're not taking care of yourself. You're not addressing your stress. So what tends to happen is it's easy to relapse in that state. You're exhausted. You're not eating properly. Because you're exhausted and not eating properly, you're going to be more prone to eat junk food opposed to healthy food. I'm I'm guilty of this too. If I'm not taking care of myself, it goes real fast from a green smoothie to a milkshake, right? Because something just goes... Nah, I had a tough week. Celebrate that one milkshake won't hurt. Then it's a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Next thing you know, I'm pre-diabetic and I have issues. I have to be able to say to myself, okay, I I I might not be eating healthy now. I know why, and I have to re- I have to regulate that. Fix it. I have to. I may not be getting enough sleep. Fix it. Um, you know, sobriety, early sobriety, or long term sobriety, and the idea of struggling and having difficulty in recovery is real. Also, my next step, you're struggling in recovery. Do you remember how much you were struggling in your addiction? I don't get now. This is not me being like disconnected from the reality of what our drugs of choice can do to us. This always pulling on you. Right. It's that pull. That societal pull, that Friday night pull. I just want to go out and let loose. But the reality is once you relapse, the difficulty that you're going to be in, the shame, the guilt, how lousy you're going to feel. So you're talking about being sober and unstable. What about being in a state of relapse and unstable? It's just much worse. It's not a, so the point is, it's not a, an appropriate response to your stress to think that you should relapse, right? That should be never an option because you're going through all of this because of the drug of choice. Not because life is bad, not because you're bad, it's because you're a person dealing with addiction. So now if you're sober and you're struggling and you're not taking care of yourself and then your first thought or maybe that psychological slipping starts to happen. Uh, we talk about that a lot with sober though. It's uh, you mentally, spiritually, psychologically, physically, but you most likely psychologically, emotionally, and mentally relapse before you physically relapse, right? So it's this like you relapse in the mind, then you start doing behaviors that mirror relapse, going back to the old club, talking to your old friends, linking up with people that's using. And, you know, eventually you just start through osmosis, you start using again. The whole goal of this episode is if you're sober and struggling, I want you not to relapse. I want you to be have the steps that you need. The next thing I want to talk about is um, the fear of missing out. And I know I talk about this a lot, but my friends and family, listen to me closely. If you're living through comparison and you feel like you're missing out on what others are doing and you measure your 
the worth, your self-worth based on how you identified to yourself in your addiction. So we identify as the, oh, I was outgoing. I was so, I was the hero. I was heroic. I was the blight for the party. I had had all of this courage. That's how I used to feel. I used to feel invincible when I was doing my um, drinking, right? I could do anything. And now in my recovery, I'm way more tame. I'm like a domesticated beast that used to be in the wild. There used to be a Lion King. And now I'm like this domesticated beast in the circus. And, you know, I'm like, where's my latte? And, you know, and they used to be like, you used to be the king of the jungle. Now you're getting like, you know, you get your nails done and you're doing lattes now, but I'm alive, I'm healthy, and I grew up. Sometimes what we look at is not being more exciting and not being that you just grew up. It's okay to be an adult and to be a little bit more tame than you were in your craziness and your addiction. Grow up. I don't care if you were 60 in your addiction. Addiction make you do childlike stuff, right? And most of the time when you think you're the life of the party, you're usually the ass of the party and you're usually the butt of people's jokes. Like you're the clown. That's how they treat people in addiction. I watch it to this day. You see people acting stupid on TikTok or something and the person's drunk and people are filming it and they're getting views and you're exploiting someone else's addiction. And it's kind of it's kind of crappy to do that. But that's how the world looks at people who struggle with drugs and alcohol. They make fun of us and it's a joke to them and it's really serious to us. And then we wake up the next day and we're embarrassed about the whole thing. We're just upset, you know, um, I don't remember anything I did that night. I don't know what I was doing. You're just embarrassed. You're just upset with yourself. So when you're when I'm talking about your recovery and being stable in your recovery versus being sober and unstable, it's extremely important. Just some context. This episode is based on uh hold on. Um I don't have my phone on me. This episode is based on a post we did on Instagram where we had all of these hearts and it was like a Different options you could pick: sober and stable, sober and stable, sober and struggling, um, sober and sliding, uh, using and um, struggling, and um, think it's different different steps. This I just want to talk specifically today, and we'll do episodes about the other parts about sober and struggling. So if you're struggling in your sobriety, I'm gonna wrap up soon. If you're struggling in your sobriety, take your butt back to AA or NA, and if you never started, go. They're there twenty. They're there for the rest of your life as a place where you could go. Listen. If you don't know what the power of Alcoholic Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous is, and I have to respect the 11th tradition and say that AA has nothing to do with the statement. I'm not really, I'm supposed to respect their, um, um, to respect the anonymous aspect of their programs. And they usually don't like people talking about it, which I think is kind of weird, but I respect it. I personally feel like if you truly want people to get help, why not? talk about the benefits of it so they could be encouraged to go like you know what i'm saying i don't know i i think it's kind of like antiquated but i have to respect it but i'm still going to speak about it anyway i'm just going to say that they have nothing to do with my statements now with that disclaimer being put out there it's all about community man it's just you when you go into these meetings without me giving away all of their proprietary stuff you're literally around a bunch of people who have either one day of sobriety to 50 years. 
and you could they're very encouraging or some of them are just going through a lot of pain like you so when you go you might not feel like it's a kumbaya moment but it's still a place where you could go and see what the pain the pain that addiction causes another person you get that reference there's a power in the reference of seeing someone else tell their story and you knowing that you're not alone seeing someone worse than you are and being and having um and having gratitude for the fact that you're not as far gone as that person and there's still hope so you could compare yourself, right? And seeing someone who has 20 years and that just redid their whole life and they're telling you about how they, they started businesses and then you get the inspiration. Then you get the books, then you get the steps and then you get all of this stuff. Like I learned that uh, my addiction was an allergy. Like I was allergic to it based on a doctor's opinion in the big book that AA has. That changed my whole life. It immediately is one of the main reasons I'm still sober today, because I clearly understand the science that the way my brain is made with my serotonin levels and whatever gene or I don't have the MTHR gene or whatever this stuff is. I have a specific predisposition to be allergic and I have an adverse reaction to alcohol every time I put it in my body. And I this played out for 20 years. So I have 20 years of experience um that supports that if i drink this stuff i'm going to lose control damage myself hurt myself alienate everyone i love implode and destroy my life never fails is based on the empirical method of science you do something over again again and again and again and you test it and it has the same result then it's a proven it's evidence and it's a proven system and thus it could be considered science now it scientifically has been proven that every time mr pop you can it drinks a substance called ethanol or alcohol that i literally have a psychological reaction and my life and my personality shifts and I lose self-control and every aspect of what keeps me me and I lose everything within a flash of an eye. So my thing is, it's real. It's been proven in myself and it's been proven in you. So don't play with it. Go to these meetings like you need to do that. Prayer and meditation is for the brain. If you don't believe in God, try to figure out why you don't believe in God. Like, really, why don't you want to consider a higher power beyond yourself? Because what we know is left to our own devices, we can't do it. Left to my own devices, I'd have been dead. I had to reach to a higher power just to emotionally escape enough so I could allow help and love to re-enter my heart. Because I was shut down. The world shut me down. I shut me down. So I needed something to bring me back to life. And the concept of a higher power is beautiful. It's poetic and it's beautiful. It's a lot of literature. It's thousands of religions. Find some faith, man, and dig into it. And if you can't, you know, that's what, you know, if you can't, then you can't. But don't discount it, right? Faith is good. Prayer is good. And you could just pray as a sense of just praying, you know, confessing to the universe. If you don't believe in a God, confess to the universe. Maybe a aunt, maybe a dead parent, a dead family member, somebody that you really miss. Talk to them. Now, you're shroba, you're struggling. Talk to a clergy, a priest that you can trust, someone in a church that you can trust, someone that's an authority that you can trust. 
therapy. Don't discount therapy. If you're sober and struggling, really try to get into a therapeutic program. Maybe you're struggling because you have unresolved trauma, PTSD, unresolved pain, unresolved sadness, and this is something that we all have to deal with, okay? Now, last but not least, um, you have to remember the darkness. Remember why you started. Don't just forget how bad it was um, in your addiction. You have to remember how you started. All right. So remember where you come from. Remember those dark nights where you were sweating. Remember all the times you said, God, if you just get me through this night, I promise. God, if you just get me through this, I promise. God, if you could just give me this one more hit, I promise. God, if I could just get this one more drink, I promise. You know, Last but not least, have you truly forgiven yourself for all of the trauma you cause others and the trauma that you cause yourself? Have you addressed your PTSD that's related to your addiction? See, we like to think PTSD is a term, post-traumatic stress is just um, for soldiers and people that's in war, in a war state. It's not. It's for any human being can have a post-traumatic response to something that happened to them. Right. That's all that is. It's like you have this response to something that happened and it affects you. That trauma is causing you to having heightened anxiety and issues when you relive that or think about that or you see anything that triggers that. So with addiction, that's like major PTSD because you're fighting, you're sleeping with people you don't mean to sleep with. Things may have been done to you. People sexually take advantage of you when you're under influence. Family members tend to betray you or abandon you. People tend to abandon you. So that's traumatic, right? People tend to cheat, lie, or talk behind your back. That's traumatic. The stuff that you do to other people is traumatic to you and them because you have a if you're not a sociopath, when you get sober, you tend to relive. I hurt these people. And if they don't extend forgiveness, then you still holding that in. So I'd like to say forgive yourself is an important aspect, but also forgive others. Forgive yourself. Release yourself from the negative aspects of your past in relationship to your drug of choice. So, you know. This PTSD stuff, they don't talk about like they have a term called post-traumatic growth. Now, did you know that you can grow through your post -tra your post-traumatic stress? You could grow through your trauma. Right. Uh, I like to talk about the resiliency of like a blade of grass growing through concrete. Right. That type of resiliency. So imagine the concrete is like your PTSD and the trauma and everything that happened to you. That's bad. Right. And um, you could either just be stuck and buried under there like you can't make a breakthrough. You can't get beyond that trauma. You just stuck. It keeps replaying. You keep reliving it. But you keep trying. You keep trying. You stay resilient. You do the work. And eventually you break through that concrete like that blade of grass and you start to grow again and you free yourself. These are things that can help you um, beat the struggle of sobriety when you're having bad days. Go back to the basis, the physical parts. Am I eating healthy? Am I staying hydrated? And I'm getting eight hours sleep. And let's go to the mental part. Am I seeing a pre? Am I talking to a, some type of priest? Am I going to some type of therapy? Do I need to see a psychiatrist? And do I need to be on any mental health medication based on my mental health? Am I addressing my trauma? Am I addressing my pain? Am I addressing 
the negative things that happened to me? Am I talking to someone about it? Am I doing the work? The other thing is going back to AA and NA. Am I going to meetings? Am I going? If I don't like one meeting, go to another one. Find a hundred meetings until you find a home and think about getting a sponsor. I don't care if you have five years in, if you don't if you don't have a sponsor, if you don't like your sponsor, get one. Okay. Um, listen to podcasts like sober is dope, like sober vibes, um, like recover yourself and like the many other beautiful podcasts that's out there. Um, listen to podcasts. Another thing I want to talk about is grief and loss. If you're struggling with a death or a breakup or something like that, you have to go to grief counseling. You have to talk about to a grief counselor and a bereavement counselor and hopefully a psychiatrist surrounding any major change in your life. A lot of us was in recovery going through the pandemic. We seen family members die. It affects us. We don't like seeing our friends and family die. It's traumatic. We don't like going through divorce or breakup or losing friends or fighting with people. That's traumatic. So what happens is if you don't address these things, you know, how are you going to be able to navigate something so intense as grief and loss, which changes the brain through neuroplasticity without going to seek professional help. So you can see in this little episode, we cover so many things that you should be doing and consider doing that maybe if you're not, it, it sheds light on why you're struggling in your sobriety and especially why you may be prone to relapse, right? Not knowing your triggers and stuff like that. There's a hundred other things we could talk about. Please. Meditation is extremely important. Yoga helps having a spiritual practice help. Box breathing is something you could look up deep breathing exercises, singing bowls is something you could get into harmonics, recalibrating the uh, internal energies and the frequencies of the body through singing bowls, um, chanting, um it, prayer it just like find something uh get into uh extracurricular sport or something learn a new language go back to school do something write a book challenge yourself and these are ways where you could get beyond the struggle of sobriety and even beyond your addiction for good Find something that you can focus on that going back to that um, mindfulness, right? right? Mindfulness meditation, focus. Lastly, the biggest mantra of soap is dope is always be creating. They say busy tames the beast. We like to say creativity tames the beast because you could be busy doing nothing or you could be busy relapsing. But if you're being creative and you're making things like you're pushing yourself, like how I wrote this book. It took three years to write this. So for three years, I was focused on this. That's I had no time to consider drinking or relapsing or being depressed and angry and sad. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm writing something. I'm building something in myself. At the same time, I was working on my music. And at the same time, now this is not about me. This is me showing you that you can mirror what I'm doing. Creativity gets you outside of the boredom. Boredom is the number one thing. Is I think the top reason people struggle with sobriety. Boredom. You're just bored. You have nothing to do. You don't know what to do. The only thing that you used to do to stave off boredom is get high and drunk. Now that you're not doing that, what do you replace that with? You have to find a hobby. You have to figure out what you're good at identify your natural talents and build something, do something, be about something, start a foundation. Also be a service. Being of service helps 
you stave away addiction because the power of helping another human being is just is 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 immense. I'm telling you, you would you, the power of helping another human being is immense. Okay, you're listening to Showbiz Dope. This podcast is an act of service, one that helps me connect back to my recovery journey. So if you're struggling, start a podcast. Talk about your struggle. Talk about your happiness. Talk about your addiction, the past, how you overcame it. You meet people, build community, use community, go to your meetings, go to your steps, and do the work. All right, you listening to the Sober's Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. I love you all. Please, if you're sober and you're struggling, this is the episode for you. Share it. There's a hundred other tips I probably left out. Go get the Sober's Dope book. We have Pop Top 100 Tools for Personal Transformation, which addresses all the hundred things you should be doing, right? This is just about the top 10 that you I, I could come up with off the top. We have a hundred of these things that you should be doing. I tell people, the Sober's Dope book is good for a couple of reasons. If not for nothing, just a chapter with pop top 100 tools of transformation. If you follow those, you'll transform your whole life, period. Just not your recovery, your whole entire life will transform if you follow the top top 100. This the pop, the pop top 100 tools of personal transformation is worth this book. Even if you don't want to read any other aspect, that could help you get through the finish line. Not to mention the 300 and um affirmations not to mention the 20 plus prayers not to mention a 15 day prayer plan not to mention the science not to mention a testimony sober's dope book is an act of love i'm happy i did it i just wanted to pull all of the resources and tools that i use to help you be better you don't have to struggle in your sobriety it's gonna be a fight it's not easy it's never gonna just be a cakewalk but what i'm talking about is when you're really like man i don't know if i could do this i'm like you know that literally like that urgency just to potentially relapse is serious in people that's struggling and you deserve to give yourself a shot give it time you'll you'll get better at your recovery in time you're listening to sober is dope i'm pop you can and i love you all Check me out at SoberIsDope.com. Go get the Sober is Dope book. Check out the Sober is Dope shop on Amazon. We migrated to Sober is Dope shop from the uh, our singular store. And we went to partner with my... So we have a partnership with Amazon now. And they house all of the Sober is Dope stuff. Because I just wanted brand security. I just wanted you to be able to go to Amazon and say, okay, here's where pop stuff is. I could get it. I have Prime. You might need a shirt for in two days. Go get it. Support it. Remember, all the proceeds from the book and the shirts and everything help support the podcast and to help us launch. We're trying to launch a non-for-profit soon. So we're trying to fundraise just naturally so we could just get to the nonprofit stage, build more programs to help people. One of the major programs we want is we want to open up meditation studios for people with addiction to learn meditation, to be able to learn how to pray and meditate and stuff like that, to give people spiritual mindset tools to transform. All right. You're listening to Sober is Dope. I love you all. Go in peace. Don't give up on yourself. And I'll catch you on the other side. Peace and love.